This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 25. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode 25. It's a quarter of a century, at least in terms of episode numbers. And we've got another great question today about how do you choose between two languages that you love? But first of all, I just wanted to let you guys know that coming very soon, I'm really excited because we're going to have a sponsor joining the show. And, you know, I, I've got mixed feelings about sponsors on podcasts because sometimes, you know, you just get this feeling that you're having adverts rammed down your throat and stuff like that. And so, you know, I've been approached by quite a few people that would like to sponsor the podcast. And I've always said no in every case, because, you know, these are only short episodes and there isn't really time for some random ad message. But I've managed to team up with someone and I won't reveal who it is just yet, but I've managed to team up with someone who is going to add huge, huge value to anyone out there who's learning a language. And I think you're going to like it. So Keep your eyes open or your ears open rather for that in a episode coming up very soon. But without further ado, let's get to today's question, which comes from Doug. Hey there, Ollie. How are you doing? This is Doug from Montreal. And my question is, have you ever felt torn between the choice of studying one language or another? And if so, how did you resolve that choice? For me, this isn't a question of perceived difficulty of either language. In the past, I either tried to learn a language because that one seemed like a good idea at the time, or I had an immediate reason, like living in a country that spoke that language. In this case, my present circumstances aren't really affecting the choice at all, and I'm looking at a more long-term goal with hope of eventually reaching an advanced level. Anyhow, I feel like I've really improved my study habits and have been able to make real progress, but this decision about which one I want to pursue most of all for a long-term study goal like this has been undermining my efforts quite a bit. It's been this back-and-forth thing between my two favorites thus far. I feel that being clear about my intentions and goals directly supports my motivation, ability to focus, and just keep on going, as it were. Anyhow, I hope that doesn't sound like too neurotic of a question, uh, although perhaps it does. All the best and thanks. Well, Doug, thank you for the question. Thank you also for your honesty, because I can really feel in your voice the dilemma that you're that you're going through. And I'm sure everyone else out there as well is going to really identify with it. And anyone who's ever studied more than one language or ever even sort of considered it has, has grappled with exactly this question. So it's not a neurotic question at all. It's, it's a very, very important one. And it, you know, I am actually struggling with exactly the same thing right now. So I've got a lot to say about this. And there's also a huge amount packed into your question. And I think in many ways, you've kind of answered your own question in the sense that you have identified the need for clarity. And I absolutely love what you said about clarity and the fact that when, because this really gets to the core of, mot- of motivation and how to stay motivated in a language, which is with the subject of last, uh, the last episode, episode 24, which is that the more clarity you can have over your goals, the more likely you are to achieve them. And, you know, this, this, this applies to everything in life, doesn't it? It's not just about language learning. But yeah, if 
the people who really succeed, and this is what exactly why I recommend not studying two languages at the same time, is not to say that you can't. Of course you can. But the more clarity you've got over what you're doing, the more likely you are to succeed. You know, if you wake up every day and you live, live, breathe and sleep Arabic, for example, then you're going to learn Arabic. I defy you not to learn Arabic if you have that singular intention. And so the more you kind of divide your attention, the less likely you are to actually get anywhere in the, you know, in that pursuit. So I've got a few things to say about this. I think it, it's one of those things that happens primarily when you're living at home and not living in the country of the target language. Because I think when you're living abroad, this question is a lot easier because, you know, it, certainly in my case, I remember when I was living in Japan, learning Japanese was a no-brainer because I was there. There was always a reason to improve. I was always confronted and challenged by that on a daily basis. But when you're at home, back in your home country, you've then got to, you've got, a, you're sort of one step removed from the reality of, of learning another country's language or another community's language, aren't you? Because you're not surrounded by it every day. So this makes me think back to my own situation. And when I was first learning languages, I learned a bunch of European languages, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, and I learned each one of those languages because I was in I learned them one by one and I learned them because I was either living in a country like when I was living in France or Brazil or because I was surrounded by a certain community of people and so I learned one at a time and I was able to learn them to quite a high level thanks to that focus that we're talking about it's all I did I just spoke one language for for a long period of time Likewise, when I went to live in Japan, I just spoke Japanese because that was my, my my reason for being there. For me, the real difficulty started when I left Japan and I started learning Cantonese when I was living in Qatar. You've heard me say this many times. And because of that situation, the fact that I I, I, mean, I was just learning that language, but uh, you know, it was a fairly short period of time and I wasn't surrounded by the language. It was quite tough. And so I only ever got you know halfway to where I would like to be in the language. I then subsequently moved to Egypt and started learning Arabic and have been studying Arabic now for about six months or so. And now I'm in a position where I'm actually moving back to the UK and moving back to London. And I've got two unfinished languages directly behind me. Okay, I've got this Cantonese, which I never got as, as good as I'd like it to be. And similarly, similarly with uh, Arabic, I'm doing really well with it. I'm really enjoying it. But then how much benefit, how much use is it going to be for me when I'm back in London. So these are exactly the, the kind of questions that I find myself grappling with on a, on a daily basis. And so, well, not on a daily basis, but certainly right now it's been brought into a sharp focus for me. My head is telling me, keep on learning Arabic, you know, get it, get it really good. You've, you've done the work, you've done the hard bit, you know, you started, you've, you've done a bunch of study, keep on learning it and get it as good that you can. As good as you can. My heart says something different, though, because my heart says, as much as I love Arabic, it's not a language that has anything to do really with my own culture and my own life. And I, I feel that when I move back to London, I'm not really going to have anything to do with Arabic. And so my heart says something different. My heart is telling me to actually go back and concentrate more on my Cantonese because I'd really like my Cantonese to be better. But also, I, having learnt three really hard languages, I quite fancy just spending some time learning a language 
closer to home, which would be perhaps more more relevant to my daily life here. And I think in my case, that would be that would be German. So all of which is to say that, Doug, you've identified that you need to focus on one language. And I think that's a really great thing that you've done. Really smart move. And you you know, kind of logically that you need to focus on one language. In my situation, you know, I'm in a similar situation. You know, I'm with you on that. I think that uh, I need to focus on one language. And the question is, which one? Now, reading in between the lines a little bit, I'm guessing that the other side of this coin is not so much which language to choose, which language to focus on, but it's which language you don't want to leave behind. I think that is probably just as much of an issue. And so I think we probably have to grapple with this as much as anything else. And it might be the case, and I might be completely wrong here, but certainly in my experience, this is what's happened with, with me. Um, you've you've got to think not only you know what okay so one way of thinking about it is well here is the language I want to focus on the other way of thinking about it is well here's the language that I have to decide not to focus on and so how do you make that decision and I think it's probably quite likely that it's a combination of two things it's possibly a little bit of pride and it's certainly that's certainly the case in my situation and it's also possibly something called a sunk cost fallacy economics term um, and so let's look at both of those. I mean, first of all, with pride, you know, we none of us want to quote unquote fail, right? We don't want to learn a language and then give up. But I would point out actually that a lot of people I know who speak a lot of languages have failed many, many times, and we'll, we'll get onto that a bit later. So there's this is this issue of pride that we need to be careful of, and I think if we can identify that pride is holding us back i think we just need to be ruthless and cut it out so let's say that you you in the past you've learned japanese and you're quite proud of the fact that you've learned japanese and you don't want to give it up because you're you're proud of it well you know that's not really a a sensible long-term issue is it the other side of that is this concept called the sunk cost fallacy which is to say that because of the time you've already invested in learning a particular language that makes you feel like you can't then give it up because you would have wasted all that time and as the name suggests it is a fallacy because you know we can't you shouldn't just judge your efforts by what by the end result you may have studied Japanese for example and spent a lot of time studying Japanese and not want to give it up but that's not to say you haven't learned a huge amount in the process so it's not just about the the outcome and we've got to look at all of this in the round and decide well which one am I going to put on the back burner and which one am I going to focus on? And I can't answer that question for you, uh, possibly if I had more information I could, but I think I've got three questions for you or three points which can hopefully help you kind of see through this and come to your own decision. The first of which is that you're absolutely right that learning one language well is going to be better for you in the long term because when you learn one language well, that experience and that glimpse of mastery, like I've spoken about before, you get more you get more glimpses of mastery than you would otherwise. And that means that you get better at all other languages. You become a better language learner by learning one language properly. The other thing is a language is never lost. And this is something that my friend Richard Simcott um, talked about previously, which is that, you know, it's all cumulative. All the all the different study that we do in different languages, it all adds up into this big pool of resources that we have at our disposal. This language learning ability, knowledge, uh, understanding, whatever you want to call it. If you spend time learning a language and 
you're faced now with the possibility of putting it to one side, that's not lost. Not only have you gained a lot of experience and knowledge and aptitude by studying it, but you will always be able to go back to it in the future and reactivate it. it it's always going to have a little com- compartmentalized area of your brain where it will live. So it's it's not the case to think that you will lose it. And who you know who knows, in five years, maybe you'll come back to it again. In which case, all the work that you've done up to that point will have been very useful. The third one is more of a uh, existential thing, but it's actually one of the things that helped me the most in these kind of situations. And this is something called the rocking chair test. And I actually learned this from Tony Robbins, the uh, the great American motivational speaker. And, and he and he he talks about this kind of problem in these terms. He says, "Imagine that you're you know you're 80 years old." You're you're on, you're in your last days. You're sitting in your rocking chair, you know, going back and forth, looking back on your life, and you know, really trying to imagine yourself in that situation. And then, in that situation, look back on your current life, your current period in your life, and think, what is the best? What should I have done? Look at it with that hindsight. And often, I think that puts everything into a very, very sharp focus. When you kind of look at the decision that you're facing now in terms of your whole life and what is going to contribute the most to you. I think often we get very stuck in these kind of day-to-day, month-to-month ways of thinking. But this rocking chair test helps you just to kind of take a step back and look at it in terms of your, your whole life and perhaps your life goals and the way that you like to live. So we've got a little bit abstract there, but I think uh, hopefully that's given you a few ways to to approach this situation, Doug. I think you do have to make the decision. I can hear in your voice that you are struggling with it, that it's holding you back, that it, you have a lack of clarity. So you've got to make the decision. You're going to have to come down on the side of one language, remembering all the time that this is not final. The other languages that you've learned are never lost. But actually, you'll be doing those other languages a better service by picking one, using that to get to a very high level, and then perhaps in the future coming back to them and learning them again. So, well, what a long rambling answer. I hope, I, I really like this kind of question because it's all about the kind of meta, meta knowledge and meta understanding of how we work. I hope that's been helpful, Doug. I hope everyone else hasn't fallen asleep during my ramblings. If you've got a question you'd like to ask me, please do. I'm always looking for more voice questions in particular. You can leave me a voice message by going to iwillteachyoualanguage.com forward slash ask. You can also leave me a question in an iTunes review. Simply go to iwillteachyoualanguage.com forward slash review and that will take you to the place where you can leave a review. Now, at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind. And today it's quote time again because I'm a big fan of quotes and we haven't had many recently. And I'm going to give you a very, very pertinent quote by Mark Twain, who says, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbour, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. Sailing metaphors aside, I think that's a pretty useful quote to put these things in perspective. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast.